Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome back to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen. And I'm Brittany. And today we are joined by ABC News Chief Medical Correspondent and Board Certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Ashton. Welcome. (laughs) Thanks, guys. It's good to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And and anybody who listens to Diet Starts Tomorrow, you go listen to the episode where Dr. Ashton talks all about her book, um, The New Normal, A Roadmap to Resilience in the Pandemic Era. And if you didn't listen to our DST episode, a little bit about Dr. Ashton, she, like I said, she's the chief medical correspondent at ABC, but that's no small feat. There are literally only four people who have that job in this country, one for each network. And she started as senior medical contributors 10 years ago and has worked her way up to become the chief medical correspondent for the last four years. So that's amazing. And the last little thing that we must call out because, you know, this is a mom's podcast. She's the first woman to hold this title, which is so amazing. So we also briefly talked about you know, the vaccine and Mm -hmm. pregnancy, because that seems to be slightly controversial. And we thought, like, let's talk about that here, especially because Brittany and I, we get a lot of messages about, you know, because both of us are pregnant. And um, congrats. Thank Thank you. you. And we get a lot of messages like, are you getting the vaccine? Like, what do you guys think about it? What are your doctors saying? Who's saying what? So there's a frenzy. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, we wanted to have you on to kind of talk about that. So, um, as Aileen was saying, we have there's so much information out there and being pregnant. um, Obviously, we want to protect ourselves, protect our children, protect our families. But it's so controversial. And we're also thinking about the baby that we're growing inside of us. So really, um, I know that I've decided I'm currently... 29 weeks pregnant. So I've decided to wait and I'm going to get it after I have the baby in June. And Aileen, I've, I've, I already got (laughs) since our last conversation, I went and got it. So, yeah. So we kind of wanted to just talk about like, what is the deal? Can you share like (laughs) what the deal, what are you telling patients? What are you telling sort of the world? (laughs) Yeah. So I think that first of all, I mean, Obviously, as you guys know, I could talk about anything having to do with pregnant women for the entire day because that's my my medical specialty. But, you know, I think we have to start with the fact, big picture kind of perspective. One of them is that in obstetrics, there are two lives that we have to consider, the mother and the fetus. Um, and I can't tell you how many times that fails to happen. You know, people only think of the fetus or they only think of the mother. And that's what makes the practice of obstetrics so complex and so challenging is that we have two patients, sometimes three, but we have two patients that we have to um, balance and worry about. And so what, what do we know about an upper respiratory viral infection in general in pregnancy, we know that women, pregnant women are 
at higher risk for severe complications. Pregnancy is a condition that suppresses our immune system at baseline. Um, and there are big changes to lung function and um, it's a, a pro-clotting condition, hormonal condition. So pregnant women at baseline are at increased risk of blood clots. Now let's shift to what we know about COVID. At this point, almost everyone who's following it closely for the last year knows that what are we seeing a lot of in COVID? Blood clotting, okay? Just mysterious people who wind up with clots in their legs, clots in their lungs, strokes, vascular compromise of their heart for reasons we don't understand just because of this virus. And we know that it can really affect obviously lung function. And so early on in the pandemic, we were seeing all these patients being put on ventilators. So now if you take a pregnant woman and put them in that situation, we know from published data in this country and other countries around the world, that pregnant women are at higher risk of complications if they become infected with COVID-19. And if a pregnant woman becomes very ill, that's really bad for the fetus also. So depending on the trimester, that becomes a, a bigger factor. Um, so this is a high stakes, high risk situation before you even start to consider the vaccine, right? So now you put COVID into the mix and you have high risk women, because they're pregnant, high risk women who also happen to be pregnant. And that means maybe older, maybe obese, maybe has high, high hypertension or diabetes, maybe works an essential job where they have high exposure to COVID. And this is like a perfect storm, right? For a lot of women, not all pregnant women, but a lot of women. So then when you put the vaccine in there, I called ACOG and spoke to Dr. Tony Fauci in December when the first Pfizer vaccine got emergency use authorization. And I said, what are you going to tell pregnant women? And they said, we're going to say that they should not not get it. And I said, are you really going to use a double negative? Like, what? Like, didn't we learn in high school grammar that we should not do that? And they said, well, we don't have enough data from clinical trials yet, so we can't say for or against it, but we want to leave it for them as an option. But we also don't want to give them an obstacle to say they have to talk to their provider. I said, oh. Let me explain something to you, because I've delivered over 1,500 babies. Pregnant women will not blow their nose without talking to their midwife <laughs> or obstetrician. So now you're saying that they don't even have to talk to anyone. They could just go and get a new vaccine. That's not going to work well. Like, right. And so, listen, to be fair to ACOG, they were trying to do the best they could for pregnant women. but And in some ways, they were in a no-win situation. But- that's just not the answer, right? It's not the answer to just let, let pregnant women wing it. It's not the answer to let midwives and obstetricians just figure it out. We follow guidance in this country by our professional organizations and societies. And in December, we really didn't have any for this vaccine in pregnancy. So, you know, after I spoke to the president of ACOG and, and the head of their vaccine division, vaccines in pregnancy have an incredibly safe track record incredibly safe, right? Um, and it's a, it's a decision of 
what's the risk of getting it? What's the risk of not getting it? What's the benefit of getting it? And what's the benefit of not getting it? And, you know, that may be different for you versus Brittany, for example. Like, it's going to be different maybe for a woman who lives in New York City versus a woman who lives on an 80-acre farm property where she can kind of cocoon herself for her whole pregnancy and doesn't have to be exposed or, you know, so on. It's going to be different for a pregnant woman who's 40 and overweight versus a woman who's 20 and not overweight. So it's not one size fits all. And I think as we learn more, um, hopefully that will be clarified. But for right now, um, certainly if you guys were my patients, I would say based on what we know in terms of data, um, the benefits outweigh any likely risks. So that's a very long answer to say that. But yeah, that was good. A lot of context. <laughs> very helpful and informative. Might be making an appointment to get the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> So what are some potential risks that we do know? Of the vaccine, right? Of the vaccine. Yeah. In pregnant women. We don't. That, I mean, there, there are no big safety signals at this point. So, you know, people are saying, well, are, oh, it can cause infertility. There's zero evidence that that's the case, right? There's zero evidence that pregnant women who get COVID in the first trimester face an increased risk of miscarriage. So right. again, the vaccine and natural infection somewhat act similarly, and there's no evidence of any infertility concerns. Um, so, you know, again, right now, as I always say, we have to go by fact and not fear and evidence and not emotion. And there's no evidence that there's any safety concerns at this time. I think people, though, when you say fact, not fear, I think that's important because I think a lot of people find fear in the unknown. Mm -hmm. So like when you say we don't know, that is scary because then their mind is the one that comes up with what could be if I get it. And then there's guilt. Of course. But understand that that's not a rational, scientific way of thinking. So when I was still delivering babies before I became chief at ABC, you know, I, I, this is a true story. I got a call one, one weekend when I was on call, it was a patient of another doctor, a partner of mine. And the patient said, um, I'm at a true story. I swear on a stack of Bibles. I'm at a concert right now. I'm in my second trimester. And I want to know, is the loud music going to hurt the baby's ears? And I said, I don't know. I, <laughs> and she said, wait, what do you mean you don't know? And I said, just what I said, uh, we don't know. I mean, in order to answer that question, we would have to line up 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 pregnant women, put them right next to a giant speaker at a concert, <laughs> turn up the music, blast it so that the pregnant woman's eardrum <laughs> were bleeding, and then follow the fetus 10, 20 years down the road to see if they developed any hearing issues. And we don't do those kind of studies on pregnant women because it's not ethical. So therefore, I don't know. Right. So if you're concerned, you should step away from the speaker or go home. But I can't tell you, you know, just like just like if you say to me, like, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? I'd say, I don't know. 
Right. But in, but in that case, though, like the risk of leaving that concert is really, really low, whereas the risk of not getting the vaccine is very, very high. So, like, I understand then like what you're saying about when we don't know something, we have to weigh what we do know mm-hmm. versus what we don't. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's why you have you hit the nail right on the head. So the risk of not getting the vaccine, we know what that risk is. Right. It's high. Right. So so you go by what information you do have at that time and make the best decision. And that's what I mean in my last book, The New Normal, when I say I try to help people think like a doctor is exactly what you just described. Right. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to be a doctor. (laughs) So for for women that uh, are considering getting the vaccine, is there a specific stage in their pregnancy that they should be getting it or shouldn't be getting it? There's no official guidelines on this right now. Um, What I tell my patients is, you know, again, in general, for most women, I would say, you know, if you can wait till you're out of the first trimester, that's great. If you can't, for whatever logistical reason, you know, that is, then go ahead and get it when you can get it. But, you know, in general, it's just a concept in pregnancy that we, we try as much as possible to put things, all non-essential things off until after the first trimester, only because, again, risk benefit, it's kind of common sense that there's probably very little risk in doing that. And there may be a big benefit. Okay. Is there anything else you want before we pivot to some questions just about general, you know, questions people um, had to ask you, is there anything else you want to sort of clear up maybe misconceptions about the vaccine or anything like maybe about breast milk and antibodies? Is there anything you want to add um, about it? Um. No, you know, right now, I think it's just important to remember that we're still in the in the process of, you know, learning about this virus. And um, what that means is that we we just you know, we can't panic. We can't like do something just because, you know, well, why not or whatever? Um, I think it's it's just it just makes sense to, you know, take a minute say, you know, what makes sense, what's safe, um, what if it's if something sounds fringe, it probably is. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of proceed from there. But I think also, it's important, you know, and we didn't articulate this yet. But, you know, it's, it's stressful right now. And it's normal to be scared. And it's normal to be concerned. And it's just more a matter of like, how we respond to these situations that are really going to make a difference because, you know, just because if, if fear or concern paralyzed us, none of us would do anything. Right. I mean, that's like, (laughs) that's kind of like the norm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like my main guiding principle before I decided, or I like learned more about the vaccine was that I was just scared too much about what could happen. But as you said, like, I don't live in a bubble. My husband's a nurse practitioner, goes to the hospital every day. So there's clearly risk exposure and I can't leave it up to sort of the unknown. That's right. 
And um, so that was really the, and I feel better. And then I also, I just probably posted it when I got it. And there's a lot of pregnant women who was like, who were like, thank you for talking about this because I feel like the fear of the unknown is keeping everything hush hush. That's right. So it's important. I think at least we talk about it, but there was the story about the antibodies, the woman gave birth or there's a few women who gave birth and there was antibodies passed to the, the baby. Right. Mm-hmm. And through breast milk. Is that, is that accurate? Um, yeah, there have been a couple of published reports, um, not just via breast milk, but there's some evidence that there's what we call vertical transmission of antibodies or passive um, in utero transmission of antibodies in women who have been naturally infected with COVID who um, deliver babies who have antibodies, which is really, really good news, right? I mean, that's just like, that's, you know, the way infectious diseases work. And we kind of want to hear that that's, that's important. So, um, you know, as we, as we hear these things, I think it'll help women kind of make come to the best decision for themselves, you know, along with, you know, discussing this with their obstetrician or midwife. All right. So let's talk about some general pregnancy questions. Yeah. So, um, I run our, I run the Betches moms account mm-hmm. and, um, while I appreciate that everybody thinks I know everything, I'm <laughs> definitely not a doctor and I don't, I can give you my, my mom advice, but not right. when it comes to being a doctor. So, um, we definitely have a bunch of questions for you. One question that I feel like people are always talking about are best practices when trying to conceive. So especially first time parents to be, mm-hmm. what should a woman be doing to prepare her body? What should a man be doing to prepare his body in, in, you know, being able to conceive? You know, I think the best thing is to try to be in general as healthy as they both can be. Right. So that means, you know, try to act as if you're in training for, you know, some kind of major physical event. (laughs) Um, That will usually kind of put people on the right path to being as healthy as they can possibly be. Um, You know, I always encourage people, don't make this into a science experiment. You know, you don't have to like overdo it. Um, But I think that, you know, that means minimizing alcohol or certainly other drugs. Um, That means getting enough sleep, eating a clean, nutritious diet, um, getting regular exercise, you know, the basics, but the stuff that's really, really important. So people tend to, you know, think of these things and be like, it's not really that important, but it's super important. And um, the more people get those things, kind of unlock, the better they'll be. At what point though, let's say people are doing that and then you're like, you need a, you need to sort of like stop for, and it's not happening. Mm -hmm. At what point do you say, okay, let's try where you're not trying. So like to assess the situation and see if there's something wrong, like how many months is of trying? Do you, do you ask them to try, you know, a different position. I can't believe I just said that, but you know, like something else (laughs) before, you know, that they go to, let's see other routes we should be taking. Um, you know, I think that 
in general, and this depends on the age, it depends on their situation, you know, let's say how many children they want to have, how many they do have, what else is going on in their life that, you know, now it used to be a year. Now it's kind of slipped back to like six months. So if a young, healthy couple is trying to conceive for six months and they're not getting pregnant, you know, no doctor is going to, you know, laugh at them if they come into the office and say, guess what, I'd like, you know, to be evaluated. But by the same token, um, I do think it's important to understand that fun fact, an average young, healthy couple only has a 20% chance of conception uh, any given month. So when we think of it like that, well, we don't tell teenagers that, of course. Um, (laughs) But um, when we think of it that way, then it's kind of like a miracle that it happens so quickly for so many people. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize that number was so low. Yeah. Um, so I know part of that training and preparing yourself, um, mm-hmm. especially for a woman is taking prenatal vitamins. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there are so many out there and there's so much information out there of what's actually important, like folic acid or iron. What is something that women should be looking for in a prenatal vitamin? You know, they're so similar, actually, most of them that it, people shouldn't get bogged down. You know, they all have vitamin D3. They all have folic acid, at least 600 micrograms um, or 800 micrograms. They all have calcium. Some most prescription um, prenatals have some iron in them. But, you know, it's it's more a matter of, you know, which one they're going to take and are they going to take it regularly? And by the way, fun fact, I always encourage um, the man to also take it. They're not going to grow a uterus um, <laughs> if they if they take a prenatal, but it's a good multivitamin. And when everyone always acts shocked when I say that, but it's really important to remember that if it's good enough to grow another human, it's generally good a good multivitamin, right? So um, <laughs> I think that you know that's that's always an option, and it's kind of a nice bonding thing that both people can take it themselves. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble with my prenatals. I was like puking every I had really rough first trimester. Uh And um, my mom, she's an OBGYN. She was like, just just only take folic acid for a little and then see how you feel. And I was so scared. I was like, is what's going to happen to my baby (laughs) because of that? She's like, some of these are just just came out like 10 years ago, like, it'll be okay. And then you'll get back on it. And right. I was so obsessed with the prenatals. And she's like, you're obsessing over the wrong things. <laughs> so um, right. yeah, I mean, but that that happens. And, you know, it's super common. So I just, uh, that's why I always say, like, listen, it's not pregnancy is not that fragile or delicate a situation. If it were, there would be literally like the human race would have ended. Um, right. So I think it's important to, you know, try to be smart, but don't, you know, we don't have to go crazy. Question. Let's talk about uh, gestational diabetes really quick, because there's so much information and fear around it and misinformation around it. Could you quickly like tell us what is gestational diabetes? Because, you know, we know like the test comes up at 28 weeks, right? And... And um, people are like, this is some scary diagnosis once it happens, their life is upside down. And then there's shame and guilt around it from other people like you did this to your kid. So 
Can you briefly like give us the rundown from like a scientific perspective about like, what is it and who gets it and what happens? Definitely. So basically gestational diabetes is diabetes that occurs in pregnancy, but pregnancy um, is a, a condition that we call insulin resistant at baseline for everyone, meaning it, you know, where our bodies produce insulin, but it doesn't work as effectively um, as when we're not pregnant. So that's just a, you know, that's just a consequence. It comes with the territory kind of thing. Um, however, women who have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, or they're overweight, or they had a pregnancy that was complicated by gestational diabetes in the past are at higher risk. And so they should take that seriously. And um, it doesn't, you know, the, as I like to tell people, the only concern is if you get a diagnosis and you ignore it. If you get a diagnosis and you use it to help you, then there's nothing to worry about. You know, you're being followed, you're, you're, doing, you're doing the standard management. And um, most of the time things work out fine with that. It's only when people kind of ignore that, that they get into trouble. So it's safe to say that nobody should have mom guilt over getting gestational diabetes. It's not something that they personally inflicted on themselves. That is correct. I mean, listen, if, if people, to some extent, you know, it's our behavior. And then to another extent, it's genetics and randomness and things like that. And so when it comes to what things we can control, you know, listen, we can control if we reach for a bag of M&Ms versus a container of blueberries. You can't control if every woman in your family had diabetes and you get it also. So, right. you know, it's, it's a balance between those two things. And, you know, in terms of guilt, gosh, I just have to say, and I'm sure you guys say this all the time, but, you know, there's enough pressure and enough guilt that we put on ourselves as moms, we don't need anyone else to do that for us too. <laughs> so, you know, just control what you can control, you know, give yourself a break. It's not like, um, you know, being pregnant or becoming a parent comes with an owner's manual because it really doesn't, unfortunately. And, you know, do the best you can. And I think that's really all we can do all the time, not just during pandemics. Totally. Definitely. Thank you so much, Dr. Ashton. This was awesome. Very informative. I hope everyone who's listening got something good out of that. Where, where, where can people buy your book? Um, the New Normal. Thank you guys so much. The New Normal is you know on Amazon and every book retailer. And um, I would love for people to follow me and stay in touch with questions. I try to answer as many as I can on my Instagram at drjashton, and they can watch me every single day on GMA3, um, What You Need to Know, which is with Amy Robach and TJ Holmes, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central and Pacific. And I just love you guys. And if you have any OB questions, hit me up. But you guys are doing great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. This has been very therapeutic for me. <laughs> I feel like I need to revisit all of my thoughts right now. <laughs> all right. But I'm so glad. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. All right. That was great. Seems so legit in the DST episode. She was telling us how she like talks to Fauci on the rag. And um, 
I just felt like comfortable talking to her. That's really legit. And she's really cool. And I want to be friends with her. Or just be our OBGYNs. Well, that is it for our episode of the Betches Moms podcast. Do not forget to rate, review, subscribe. Follow Betches Moms on Instagram. And you can follow us. Brittany's at Britt Rich. And I'm at Aileen. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.